grab your Bibles out and turn to one of my personal favorite books, the book of James. It's right after the book of Hebrews. And we will be beginning in James chapter 1, verse 19. If you don't have a Bible this morning, there should be a little a paperback Bible in the pew in front of you. Feel free to use that as well. James chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. This is the word of the Lord. We're glad that you're here today and um, thankful that you're here as we continue in our series entitled Home. Um, before we do that, just want to uh, take a quick moment. We did this in the first service and um, you guys might have known this via social media and I think KFES 12 released out an article, but um, down south on the way to um, Donovan in the fair dealing area, um, the church uh, Pilgrim's Rest uh, caught fire um, this morning, and there's still stuff getting released about all of that. But I've um, got a lot of people connected uh, to that church uh, here that are a part of Westside, and they've been doing good things in fair dealing for a long time. The gospel's been preached there, and there's a lot of relationships. And regardless, it's just heartbreaking uh, to see something like that. And so um, I'm just going to take a moment just to pray. And if you would, just pray for the pastor, the, the people that are involved there, people who have memories there, um, and just pray for them. Uh, one thing that we do know is that, as Paul says in the book of Acts, is that our God does not dwell in a temple made with hands. And so uh, the church didn't burn, the building did. And um, that's the only way that we have hope and stuff like this. But I just thought it'd be appropriate. At the end of the day, we're all on the same team, man, right? And so I'm going to pray, and you pray for that church as well. So Heavenly Father, we just come before you today, and we just lift up um, Pilgrim's Rest to you and the people there, the pastor, the people that are all involved. Um, God, it's just uh, it's heartbreaking to see something like that take place. There's so many memories and um, just so many emotions involved in that. And so, God, we pray um, for strength um, to get them through a season like this. Um, we also know that your word tells us that when things that are bad that happen to your people, you're so powerful that you use it for good um, somehow. And, and we don't know how that turns out now, but we hold on to hope for that. That is what that is. So we pray for strength and for peace um, for all those involved in that. And we pray for the surrounding communities as, as well and the surrounding churches that we would all gather around and rally around them and uh, lift their arms in a moment like this. So God, we just pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for letting us do that. Hey, so we're continuing in our series entitled Home. As we know that holidays are quickly uh, approaching and we know that, uh, you know, kind of been in the game for a little bit. And we know that the holidays for some people are a little bit more heartbreaking than they are heartwarming. And so what we've done is we've just looked at some pretty core principles in the scripture that apply to this idea of family. And we said that the Bible has a lot to say and a lot to talk about about family. And last week, Pastor Tyler did a great job of leading us in family celebration. And man, I was super convicted and comforted at the same time that I think in my family and my tendency is to correct a lot more than to celebrate. And I think the difference could really be made in the family is if we focus on celebrating each other as well. And this week, um, we're just going to get right to it. We're going to talk about family communication. And uh, yeah, we got the same response in the first service too. 
And uh, maybe as a way of introduction, this will be helpful. Anytime anybody asks me, hey, where did you grow up? It's always a tough uh, question for me to answer. So I was born in Dallas. Um, pray for the Cowboys. They need a miracle this afternoon. That's a different sermon, okay? And so born in Dallas, grew up in Kennett, and, you know, not too far from here, southeast Missouri. So I've always sort of been a southern kid, like Texas, pretty south, and then, you know, southeast Missouri and Kennett. But around in the southeast Missouri area, um, it's not really like a southern accent as much as it is as, you know, a, a twang. I don't know how else to say it, okay? And when I think about it now, I had English teachers in Kennett who had never left Kennett who were teaching me English, right? That's pronounced y'all, you know what I mean? And so you just never stand a chance, right? And my junior year of high school, I moved up to Columbia, Missouri, a little bit northern, right? And it never took long for someone to ask me, where are you from, Right? That is, you know, and maybe you've gone out of the country or been somewhere else, different state or this, that, and the other. Where are you from? And that is exactly what a guy by the name of Matthew Henry says about, about our words and how we speak. He says that men's language reveal what country they're from. And I would tweak it this way. Um, our language reveals what, what family we're actually from. You see, when we talk about words and when we talk about family communication, uh, the Bible actually has a whole lot to say about that. I'm a huge fan of communication. I'm a nerd. Um, anytime, if there's an inaugural address, if there's any speech, if there's anything, I live for those moments because here's why. Um, no matter how technologically advanced we get, if we're going to the moon, it still took John F. Kennedy to stand in front of Congress and say, it is our goal to send a man to the moat, right, and to do the thing. Steve Jobs gets on stage and pulls out a, the MacBook Pro out of the manila envelope and the crowd gasps. But he had to use words to explain what it was. You see, communication is a very powerful thing. And especially this day and age, wherein it's instant, global, and permanent. I mean, just one Facebook status and one tweet, and it's out there. But, you know, there's really two forms of communication when it comes to the family. The first one's obviously verbal, you know, the words that we talk about. But there's also physical, right? I mean, you, you communicate a lot without saying a word. I mean, could you imagine if I got up here today and went, <laughs> right? We, the, you know, the sermon is probably going to be a little bit angrier. We come home and we slam the keys down and we slam the door. And you haven't said a word. You've communicated quite a bit. And so today we're going to deal with this idea of, of verbal communication, the words that we say in our home. And when it comes to the Bible, it's very interesting when we think about this concept of communication and words, and then we think about how God has told us about that in his word. You see, as Francis Schaeffer, one of my favorite guys, said, Christianity is set apart from all other religions because our God is not silent, is what he said. And when you open the very first pages of Genesis, it says this. We all know the story, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. It's incredible. Why would the writer of Genesis, and why would God want to communicate that the very first thing, I mean, this is it. This is the beginning of the story. You need to describe who you are, what the goal is, this, that, and the other. But one of the main things is this God speaks, right? 
Then as I was studying, I thought it was fascinating that the first thing that God says to our first parents, Adam and Eve, is that he speaks blessing over them. I, I, mean, I mean, I've read this story a ton, and, and I realized it for the first time. Wow, the very first thing that God says over humanity is a word of blessing. You see, I think a lot, I, th- I mean, I could preach a whole sermon on that. A lot of us have an image of God. Right? God's like the kid with the magnifying glass, burning ants or something, right? Or the checklist, got him today, right? But the very first image that God wants us to see of himself and humanity is speaking blessing over them. That's incredible. But then a problem happens. In Genesis 3, we know the story. And then there's a different form of communication that comes. And, and it says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say? I mean, it's fascinating, right? You've got like this this parallelism. You've got this God that's speaking, and he's speaking blessing, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good. But then you have an enemy come along using words, questioning God's words. I think it all goes back to that. I mean, it doesn't matter really what the issue is. We could sit over a cup of coffee and we could talk about the image of God and this. And, you know, if if you're a non-believer, you're kind of on the fence and you're like, I don't know about this with Jesus and this. And what it's going to get to is at some point you will say, I don't agree with this. That's what will happen. And what we have here is like a war on with words almost. And so we see that words are very powerful. And we actually did a whole series on this called Words Matter. And what we said was, is that words create worlds. And so in the family communication, and then we see it all goes downhill, right? Right after this. I mean, God comes along. He's like, Adam, where are you? And then they're hiding. And God goes, who told you that? And then Adam, right? We see family communication right then breaks down. And Adam goes, everything was fine until you gave me Eve, Right? You're like, oh my goodness. And then Eve's like, oh, the devil made me do it. And then from that moment, family communication just tends to break down. So I want you to do this with me today. I want you to take a deep breath in. I just want you to let it out. You're not alone in your family communication. There's been a breakdown in the family because of sin ever since this. And so what we want to do today is we want to see what God says to us about how to deal with this. One of the key things that we've learned about in this series, and this is massively important, you can talk to a counselor, you can talk to anybody, but we said that the family that you are a part of is greatly affected by the type of family that you came from. And we kind of got to go here, right? And some of us are like, I started, I've got my own family, and I never want to think about the family that I came from, or this, that, and the other, but you cannot deny that the type of communication that you grew up with in your home affects the communication in your home today. And so I want to go over just some common you know, forms of communication that you see in the family. And what I want you to do is I want you to be asking yourself not, boy, I tell you who needs to be listening to this, right? Don't do that, okay? I need you to ask, which one of those is the home that I grew up in? Because we got to go there and we got to start somewhere, okay? So the first sort of type of communication in a family, and this is tough, it is abusive. This is manipulation. 
This is abusive language. I'm so sorry if you grew up in a home like that. You had to experience something like that. But you better believe that, that, that if we don't at least acknowledge that or deal with that, you're, you're not going to be able to deal with what's going on currently in your family communication. Some of us work so hard and we're workaholics because we never had a mother or a father that said, I love you, good job. Or some of us have to lie and manipulate because that's the way we had to survive in the family that we grew up in. That's the words that were spoken. I'm sorry for that. The second really is absent. It didn't exist. And here's what I mean. You know, the only rule of family communication in the home that you grew up in was don't communicate. Okay? So if there's a problem, rule number one is don't talk about the problem. All right? But now, in the real world, and now you have a spouse or you have children, and you've got a spouse that sits across from you and goes, why is it like pulling nails to know what's going on inside of here, okay? Because you say, I, I, I didn't learn that growing up. And it was telekinesis. We just knew, right? And you better believe that if you come from a home like that, it greatly affects the home that you're a part of now. But what about this aggressive Aggressive, right? And so it doesn't mean abusive. It just, oh, it's just intense, right? How was your day? It was great. How was your, right? Snap into a Slim Jim. Oh, yeah, okay. I mean, it was just like you sit down at family meals and whoever's the loudest and whoever does, this is it, man. And we're going and I love you and I'm so thankful for, and you're just, I mean, it's just intense, man, okay? You're probably Italian or something like that, all right? Just an intense family, all right? And you're, you're always like, I don't know why anybody ever has a problem talking with me all that. And you're just like, oh, my goodness. Okay, we avoid you in Walmart, all right? Oh, my goodness, there they are. Okay, right? You're just intense, and you need to know that. If you can't admit that, it's a different sermon, all right? It's aggressive, all right? But what about this one? Um, anxious, right? Hey, Mom, how's it going? Why'd you call? What's wrong? Is everything okay? Who died? Goodness gracious, right? Why aren't you picking up your phone? Are you there? I'm coming over, right? It's just, it's just, oh, it's everything is, ah, ah, hey, I just, it's all, there, something wrong. And now, listen, we laugh, but probably something did happen at some point. And now that's traumatizing. And so now that affects the way in which we communicate. And it's always on edge, and, and that's, but how about this one? Anxious, and then the last one, and this is the goal that we're going for today, is assuring, affirming language. This is the type of language that we see in the scriptures. It, affirming doesn't mean a lack of confrontation or a lack of truth. No. If anything, the Bible says that the most affirming thing to do is to speak that. But when it comes to affirming language, it's growing up, understanding that you're loved, that you're cared for. That's important. And we're in the book of James today. Look right there in verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers and sisters. What's that? That's family language. God's having a, a family discussion. And James is, is writing to this church. James being the half-brother of Jesus is a pretty big deal to think about, right? There's this scene in, in the book of Acts, and there's the great church council that's happening, and they can't agree on stuff. And then there's just this, like, Steven Spielberg scene where it says, and they turn to James. And James stands up and, like, gives this address. This dude was a big deal in the early church. 
And he's writing to a church that has a lot of head knowledge, probably socially affluent. They're facing some persecution. But James is encouraging them to not just know it here, but to also do it. And, and it's actually a communication breakdown. He's saying, no, 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 you think that you're hearing the word of God and you think that, you're, that, that you know this, but this, and, and what he's going to do is he's going to break some things down for us today. That, listen, I'm going to pull some words just from this text that I think can greatly improve your family communication. But you need to know something. This is the cross that I bear for me, okay? Sometimes there's sermons where I get up and I get to study and it's fun and it's, it's always fun, but... Um, for me, this is the great sin in my life. I, I get to communicate for a living. Um, I get to stand up and I get to talk. But everything I get rewarded for right now is detrimental in my family. I'm the loudest. I can make the argument the quickest. I can do this, that, and the other. And praise be to God for my wife who loves me during this, doesn't leave me yet, loves me, right? And so you just need to know that, that I am not, please hear me, I am not today speaking as someone who has family communication all figured out. I'm speaking as someone who is standing under the word of God, saying, I need this in the Jordan household just as much as anybody else does. And so what James is going to teach us about family communication is this, love, listen, speak, and receive. That's all we got today. So the first one is this, love. Look at verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers and sisters. I read a ton of commentaries, studied, do what I normally do, and not a single one of them, not a single one addressed the word beloved. They immediately went to be slow to speak, be quick to listen. They, they just bypassed the word beloved. You know what the word beloved means? It means loved of God, worthy of God's love. That's what the word beloved means. How incredible is that? I think a reason why we struggle in communication is because we bypass stuff like this. Oh, yeah, 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 the love thing. Let's get to the real practical stuff. Well, that James is establishing something. He's saying, know this. Know what, James? Well, first off, you're, you're loved by God. Maybe we should start there. What if, it's just a suggestion, what if in our families, before addressing what was wrong all the time? Again, that's me. I'm speaking to me, okay? The knee-jerk reaction. What if we affirm someone's worth first? We're going to get to the wrong. We've got to deal with that in the family, right? But before we addressed what was wrong, what if we just affirmed and established the relationship? Like, hey, I love you. You're my son, my daughter, my husband, my wife, my whatever. And I love you. And I'm not going anywhere. I don't know about you, but that, that'd probably change like 99% of all of my conversations in life, right? And when I was thinking about this, I thought of Roman a couple years ago got a cool gift for his birthday or Christmas, I can't remember, but it's like a circuit board set. And so what it is is you can like make a doorbell or do all this stuff, and it's totally up his alley. But it's electricity. It's teaching you about electricity. And I don't know if you thought about this, but electricity is all about communication. I mean, you flip a switch, something runs somewhere, and the light comes on, this, that, and the other. And it teaches you the very basic principles of it. And you've got a battery, and you've got to run the wires from it. But, you know, in electricity, I'm speaking some of y'all's language. Um, for the connection, you have to have a positive and a negative, right, in order for this to work. And as I was thinking about that and thinking about what James is doing here, 
in, in, in my life, and this is just me, I know you're way more saved than me, okay, right? I function with one connection, the negative a lot. And that's why the, the communication doesn't work. You have to have the positive. And, and here's what I'm trying to say. Love is the greatest connector in any form of communication. If someone does not believe or know that you love them and have their best interest in mind, listen to me, they will hear nothing from you. Nothing. And so what if, just very elementary things, what if we established the relationship first and just affirmed and said, I'm thankful for you, I love you now. Now we move in. So it's love, and then the second thing is this. Listen, listen. Look at what James says. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear. Be quick to hear. Wow. I wouldn't have used that language. I would have said, beloved, what is wrong with you? I would have done that, right? Thank God I wasn't writing any of the Bible, okay? But, but it's to listen. And, and what's interesting is the, the way that James is sort of using this in the language, you, you have to establish this first before you go. So, so it's this idea of listening. What, what's so important about listening? Well, parents, you, you say this all the time. First off, listening leads to le- learning, right? It, you, you can't learn anything, right, if you're speaking all the time, right? <laughs> And we say this all the time. There's no way that you can be listening to what I'm saying because you're arguing with me right now, right? It feels different to hear it said back to you, doesn't it, parents, right? <laughs> but, like, there's this great scene in 1 Samuel where God's calling a servant, and there's a little bit of miscommunication, and he's like, is this, is this right? And then finally, the last time, the prophet says to him, when you hear it, say this, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Silence. The scripture has a lot to say about our worship to God and silence, which is not something that is currently taught in the evangelical church and the worship world. But God says, if I'm saying something and I'm speaking, be still and know that I'm God. So, so, so it's, we have to learn first. And then secondly, listening leads to loving. Paul says in Philippians, count others as more important than yourselves. This is like... I grew up the youngest of four boys, and so when you sat down at the dinner table, whoever was the loudest, the funniest, and told the story the best, you got the dinner table, okay? So I'm a horrible interrupter. My profession doesn't help that because right now this is a monologue. This is not a dialogue. I'm talking and you are not, right? This is something that I'm learning, and I'll just give you a little bit of backdoor free advice, okay? Most pastors and preachers are horrible listeners, okay? It's like this curve. I'm just going to let you in on it a little bit, okay? But what we see is a way that you can value someone is by listening to them. And how funny is it today with the mental health talk, which is right, and all of these things? One of the most common things is, why don't you listen to someone? Just listen. And, and here's something that, that, that I'm trying to do, okay? So, so a talker says this. Well, let me tell you about that. That's a talker, okay? So our conversation's happening, and, hey, we went to St. Louis for the weekend. Let me tell you about St. Louis, right? Oh, that guy. I'm that guy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please forgive me, okay? A listener says, 
Tell me more about that. Oh, wow, you went to St. Louis this weekend? Tell me more about that. Do you see the difference? And parents, look up here, okay? I'm sorry, but, but listen. Stop saying your kids never listen to you if you never listen to your kids. Stop telling your children first, let me tell you about that. And start asking more, tell me about that. I'm just telling you that this type of wisdom, this type of wisdom, this is what will change family communication. And at the end of the day, once we're listening, and I know it's going to be so hard because they were late for curfew, and you're like, where were you? And you're just ready to go in, right? But here's what I'm so afraid of. That if we don't listen to our kids, they'll go find someone who will. And I want my baby girls to know that daddy listens because I don't want some knucklehead idiot listening to him. And I want to listen to Roman because I don't want him to go find some psycho chick that'll listen to him. We fine? We okay? All right. That should be established within the home. And it's established with love. And that love is expressed not through talking. That love is expressed first through listening. This is a safe place. So, so for some of us, that's the exhortation today. It's for me. Listen, right? Now, for some of us, the third point is the exhortation, which is to speak. <laughs> okay? So it's love, it's listen, and now we're speaking. So James says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person... Every person, every person, regardless of your personality, because I'm exhausted to my core of hearing, well, that's just why I am. Okay, first off, you're mean. And that's why you don't have friends, okay? And I love you enough to tell you, be quiet, all right? So let every person, regardless of your personality, love, listen, and then speak. Be quick to listen, to hear, and slow to speak. Now, James does not say don't speak. So for some of us who came from family communication that was absent, this is your exhortation today, okay? So one of the things we do in our home is if somebody's speaking to our kids, our kids are not allowed to hide behind our leg and not speak to someone. You look to someone in the eye and you talk to them. I love you, but you don't need a cupcake and a rainbow next to your name. You need to learn how the world works, okay? And it works through communication, through speaking. And so for some of us, that's the exhortation. But what's important and what the Bible is really concerned about is the words that we say. Now, the exhortation is to speak, and I can probably solve almost a majority of the family breakdown in communication with this. For those of you who don't speak, and who think through telekinesis, people should just know, right? Frustrations are often birthed out of uncommunicated expectations. So you have an expectation that the trash will be taken out, okay? My question to you is this. Did you tell anyone to take the trash out? No. Okay, that responsibility now falls upon you. Because what we do is, when our expectations are not met, 
we now punish. And so now, because you didn't meet my expectations that I had that I thought you did know because you're supposed to love me and you're supposed to know. You're supposed to know, and I didn't communicate that. And so now we have a breakdown, and now I will punish the relationship for that. Okay? Just a quick question. How's that working for you? Not good. So we have to speak. But we're so concerned about the words that we say as we should be. And Jesus is, but here's something we've learned about Jesus, and I hope you've learned this for being here at Westside at any amount of time. Jesus is less concerned about the behavior and a lot more concerned about your heart. We just did a whole series on money. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. I mean, it can be sex, it can be whatever it is. Jesus is concerned about your heart behind that type of behavior. And this is what Jesus says about the words that we speak. You brood of vipers. I just, I love it, right? I just, everybody's always like, I had my quiet time with the Lord this morning. And he affirmed me and loved me, told me that whatever I want to do, he's good with. Right? I want the guy that's like, I had my quiet time today and Jesus called me a snake. Because I'm hanging out with that guy because he's honest, okay? You brood of vipers. How can you speak good things When you are evil, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we're so shocked, so shocked when that word hits or when it says, and and by the way, kids, that's why some words, that's why we put a degree on some words. Some words are, by the way, ignorant and just poor communication, all right? But the reason why is because What's behind that word? So, for example, if I, if I get around a group of guys who act like they're in junior high with Kuros joking and this, that, and the other, I would bet a hundred bucks that I'm dealing with a group of guys that have sexual immorality deep within their heart. Because this, whatever fills my heart spills out of my mouth. So the lying, the Kuros, the cursing, the, whatever comes out, right, and you're like... <gasps> I didn't know where that came from. Uh, Jesus does. The heart. And listen, the circumstance is not what brought that out. The circumstance just, it's like a cup filled with water set on a table. When the table is bumped, the water comes out of the cup. So it's not the individual. They didn't make you say that. Listen, you just got bumped. And whatever fills your heart spills out of your mouth. And so the words that we speak are extremely intense, but our words are a window into our hearts. So when anything that's being communicated within the family, when the I hate you's or when this, that, and the other, listen, all of that is about bitterness and unforgiveness that's taking place within the heart. That's where these words are spilling out of because the heart is filled with that. And then I started asking, so if the Bible is concerned about the words that we speak, and it is very clear about what not to speak because that's what fills your heart, then what are we supposed to speak? And every time you see, I mean almost every time, when you see speak, you see truth, and you see love. Those three words are always together. Because if the truth is filling our heart, and love is filling our heart, then truth and love will spill out of our mouths. But now, this is another personality thing, okay? I have a friend that I always have to remind that, like, he thinks the response to everything is, I just told him the truth, right? I was like, yeah, but you're mean, right? And so it's like the truth, and I always have to remind him, truth 
is not a baseball bat. Truth's not a baseball bat. Truth is more like a scalpel, right? It cuts to heal, not to hurt. And so, how do we speak the truth in love? How do we speak the truth in love? I think here are just some three questions that I'm trying to learn myself, okay? Three questions to ask yourself before speaking the truth in love. The first one is this. Is this the right time? Proverbs 15, 23, a word in season is sweet to the soul, okay? Great example. Have you ever watched a post-game interview with an athlete that's just lost a game? They're like, hey, so you just lost by 7 million points. How does that make you feel? Right? Then they blow up, and we're like, look at what this person said. Right? Probably wasn't the time to ask the question. And so what I'm learning is I'm a big fan of truth. I love truth. What I'm also learning is trying to ask this question. Can this person handle this truth at this time? Because I think that's an important question to ask. Or even this amount of truth, capacity. I'm learning and studying a lot about our capacity and and what we can sort of bear. So for some of us, we have a high truth tank and capacity. And you're like, yeah, feed it to me, right? And you're just like, yes, right? And some of us are like, oh my goodness, they need paralyzed, right? We need to learn about that capacity. So a quick question, just, is this the right time? Parents, parents, is it the right time at 12 o'clock in the morning when they should have been home at 11.30? I, I, I don't know. I'm just asking. Is that the right time? Because I just got another question. How's it been going every time you do that? Is this the right time? The second thing is this. This is the sin that I bear. Do I have the right tone? Do I have the right tone? Proverbs 15 says that a soft voice turns away wrath. I can change our entire family vacation by the way that I say what? What I've had to realize is that's a gift. And when I use it in the flesh, I use it because, I mean, anger comes along. Why does, why does James, when he says slow to speak, and then he says this, slow to anger? For, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Right? So, so ang- anger can, is like gasoline. It can either be used um, to run your car or it can be used to burn your house down. So it can be a good positive motivator, like when we see injustice, when we see those type of things, that should make us angry to do something about it. But if you are angry to dominate a situation and to get your point across because nobody in this family ever, God's not going to be in that outcome. It's just not. And, and what the tone does and the power to have that is it can also be a vessel of God's grace. A gracious, a soft, like you should just try it sometime. Listen, I want you to try it this afternoon or the next confrontation that you have. I want you to try Proverbs 15.1. When somebody is just railing, I mean coming at you and you never and you always and I'm sick of and you know what, just hit him with this. You know what, I think there's some truth in what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah, you're right there is. I'm done with this conversation because you're way too nice. I'm just telling you, it's like a dog that chases a car. 
I mean, chasing it for its whole life, and then the car stops, and the dog looks at the car like, I have no idea what to do with this. (laughs) A soft voice turns away wrath. And for some of us, the tone is just matched with a higher tone, and it's just matched, and now venom is everywhere, and you cannot unsay what has been said. So these words and this tone can either heal family communication or it can hurt and sever it. And the way that James uses the word for anger here, slow to anger, it's explosive anger. That means that now communication's done. Now this is a fight. And tone oftentimes sort of changes. It's the difference in an argument and a discussion, right? An argument is, I will prove that I am right, Okay, a discussion is seeking what is true, right? So, and this sentence has rocked me ever since I read it. You can be right in what you say. You can be right. Congratulations, all the right people. We're going to throw a parade for you. You're right. You can be right in what you say. But if you are wrong in how you say it, you are wrong even if you are right. Okay? I've had to learn that a ton. Is this the right time? Do I have the right tone? And then this, is my heart tender? Proverbs teaches us, it was read to you, to guard our heart, for from it flow the springs of life. Behavior downstream. Belief upstream. Is my heart tender? So if you're going in to Thanksgiving or to Christmas with, I swear if he says anything about Democrats or Republicans, I'm going to make this, I'm going to rip the table over, right? I'm just, there's probably going to be a blow up. But if my heart's tender, and especially with family conflict, but do you know how your heart can only be tender? Is if your heart has first been broken. If your heart has first been broken and tendered by the very words of God. So how do we speak the truth in love? Just ask yourself some of these questions. Is this the right time? Do I have the right tone? And is my heart tender? That's how we use to gauge and bridle what we're speaking. But then the last thing that James teaches us is this. To receive. To love, to listen, to speak, and then to receive. Well, what are we receiving, James? For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Verse 21, therefore put away present participle, active. Not I did that and I don't have to do it anymore. The present tense of it is I am continually putting away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Like I love that the Bible names stuff, right? Emotional affair, adultery, wickedness. Next, right? Well, I'd love to put that away. Well, well, how do I put it away? You put it away by receiving with meekness the implanted word, right? So the Bible never says, do away with that, do away with that, do away with that. Try, 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 and we're not going to give you anything else. Do away with that. Remove that, remove that, remove that. The Bible always says, remove that by replacing it with this, which is the very word of God. So, So for the family, the godly family, it has to be this. Healthy family communication starts with humbly receiving God's word. So in the godly family, the mom, the dad, if you're single yourself, I mean, like, 
This is how we stand. The Bible is over us. Mom and dad, nobody's above it. This is, this is what is going to replace the words that we use in our home. We're removing the hurtful words and we're replacing it with God's words. And you know what? I just wish, I just wish, preacher, that we had a real practical example. Tell me what to do. What does really godly communication look like within the family? I'm so glad you asked because we have an entire picture of that in the Bible. Remember what we've learned? We learned that before there was something, there was someone. And before there was nothing, there was a relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And this beautiful love and this beautiful relationship literally spilled out onto the canvas of creation. It's incredible that we're relational beings because our God is relational. I wonder what communication looks like in the Godhead. That would be helpful, right? We get glimpses through it, just little kind of peaks behind the curtain all through Scripture. But one of the main ones that we see is that Jesus' baptism. It says this, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Family communication. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We have the Father blessing publicly, not through text message or a Facebook message. Publicly, audibly, you are loved. You're my son. And I'm pleased with you. What would our world look like? What would our world look like if that was the type of communication that happened in the home? So, so what we've been doing in closing is we've been giving you what we're calling homework, a little home improvement, some stuff to, hey, if you want to, you get what you pay for, okay? You can either apply this and not, or and do this or whatever. What if this week you said to someone, not through text message, not through letter, but, uh, a letter, but look them in the eye and said, hey, mom, dad, brother, sister, Bill, whatever, grandma, grandpa, you are loved by God, and I love you too, and I'm thankful for you. What would it look like? What would it look like? And then, 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 you ready for this? Just listen. Because <laughs> for some of you, I know what I'm asking. I'm asking you to go into the middle of a family conflict and for you to go, hey, hey, everybody, everybody's ready to kill each other. You're all loved by God. And you're loved by me. And then you're going to hear, well, who are you? What are you, going to church now and doing all that? And then just do this. Listen. Just listen. And then maybe be slow to speak. I don't know. But what would family communication look like in our home if we humbly started receiving God's word and spoke it to our family members? So dads, dads, what would it look like for you that on Monday before school, you laid your hands on that baby girl or that son. Moms, what would it look like if you laid your hands on that girl or that son and said, you're my son, you're my daughter, and no matter what you do today, nothing will ever change the fact that I love you. What would that do? What would it do if you talked to mom or dad and said, hey, I was an idiot growing up, my goodness. I'm just learning. 
I'm just real thankful that you didn't give up on me. I don't know. I think it might change some things. May God give us grace to communicate like he would want us to. So Westside, let us stand to our feet and let us use the words that Jesus gave us to teach us how to pray before we come to the table. So Westside, lift up your voices and say it out loud together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we're so grateful for your word and for your grace. Every one of us, if we were to be judged just by the, our words that we speak, we would fall short. But we are so thankful that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that now in Christ you speak a blessing. That, that what you said over Jesus is true for those of us who are in Christ. That you are my beloved son, my beloved daughter. In you I am well pleased. May our communication work from that. Holy Spirit, empower some of us in here. Maybe there's a, a husband who just needs to pray with his wife and say, Man, this week my tone was off. A wife that says to her husband this week, my heart was not tender. A parent says to a child, you know what? I demand a lot that you listen to me and I never just listen to you. I'm so sorry. God, change our families and change it from the foundation of love. We pray this all in the holy and in the precious name of Jesus Christ.